Hello and welcome to the Holy Saviour podcast. I hope you're doing well and having had a good week so far. Uh, We begin a new series looking at the book of Ephesians, which we're going to be studying over the next six weeks or so. Uh, Today's uh, talk is based upon Ephesians 1 uh, verses 1 to 14. Uh, As ever, uh, get a Bible in front of you. Uh, Why not follow along, make some notes and hopefully um, we'll journey together over these coming weeks uh, and find out more about one of uh, these letters that Paul wrote in the Bible, which um, is full of really helpful insight even for today. So today we are beginning a new sermon series and uh, something we're going to be looking at over the next few months because um, October, November is one of those seasons in the church year where we have things like harvest, which is coming next week. We have remembrance in a few weeks time in November uh, and it feels often like it's a a little bit bitty here and there. Uh, But uh, we're going to be sticking with Ephesians um, through um, the Sundays that aren't a special Sunday. Obviously, every Sunday is special, but um, uh, isn't a normal... Uh, every Sunday that's a normal Sunday, we're going to be looking at Ephesians for six weeks. So my encouragement is to read it, spend some time looking at the book of Ephesians and thinking about it. Uh, why not bring a physical copy of the Bible along with you? Ooh, who knew? You could even write some notes in there if you wanted to. Uh, so... Um, Feel free uh, to bring a Bible with you. We are going to be trying to go through it a little bit more verse by verse rather than often our sermon series point uh, towards bigger themes and we'll jump around the Bible in lots of different ways. Um, This time we're going to be sticking with Ephesians and sort of working through bit by bit because we believe that the Bible is important. We believe that the Bible is the living word of God. As Paul writes to Timothy, all scripture is God-breathed. It has his breath in it. And if we look right at the beginning of Scripture in Genesis, we see that God breathed life. Uh, God spoke his word and life came into being. We therefore believe God's word has power. Uh, And so um, we're going to dive in. We're going to see what powerful things God might want to say to us over these six or so weeks. Hopefully you're ready for it. We'll give it a go anyway. Why don't we pray? Jesus, thank you so much that uh, your word is alive and living today. Would you help us, God, to hear from you? Would you speak directly into each one of our situations this morning, we pray. Amen. So as we begin, it has been said that a text without a context is just a pretext. A text without a context is just a pretext. In other words, if we rip words out of their context, we can use it to justify our own agenda. And this has happened throughout history. We could find countless ways throughout history and probably even still today when that is happening. You look at apartheid in South Africa and the way in which scripture was used in order to bring about um, an oppression in that way. So we want to avoid that. We want to make sure we understand the context that we're reading the Bible in. The theologian Terence Rettime says, when we read scripture, three worlds collide. The world of the text, 
the world behind the text. So in this instance, we're looking at first century Ephesus. And then uh, if it's actually to make any difference in our world today, we need to consider the world that's in front of the text, the 21st century Southampton we find ourselves in. So when we're reading scripture, we're trying to work out and consider what was Paul trying to say to the people he was writing to at the time. But we also want to consider and be open to what Paul and the Holy Spirit might be wanting to say to us, the unintended audience in the here and now. So, verses 1 and 2. The introduction in this opening uh, letter, uh, these first two verses indicate to us some of the big themes that Paul is going to unpack throughout the rest of the letter. It starts off with to the holy people. Paul is reminding us that uh, we have an original identity that is holy. When God looks at us, he doesn't see the mess in our lives and sin in our lives first and foremost. He does want to deal with that, don't get me wrong, but he sees in us the larger picture. He sees us as loved, as holy, as saints we might want to use. Paul is reminding people right at the very beginning of this letter of their true identity. And then he's going to go on to highlight some of their perhaps unholy behaviour and their need to sort that out. Uh, But the invitation of this letter is for each one of us to come back to our original identity in God. And it says, in Ephesus, in Christ Jesus... We are called as people of God to live out our identity in the context we find ourselves. Paul is calling the people there to live out their identity in Christ Jesus in Ephesus. Ephesus was the largest, or second largest city rather, in Asia Minor. It was a Roman colony, which basically means the Roman culture, the language, everything was exported from Rome and placed there. So they spoke Latin, uh, they they wore the dresses that the Romans wore, potentially togas. They were encouraged to worship the whole pantheon of the Roman gods uh, and ultimately to proclaim that Caesar is Lord that they were called to worship Caesar. That was what was expected in the Roman colonies. And that the mission of every Roman uh, colony was to extend the empire further. Uh, And as they had a new identity as citizens of Rome, they were to go and to extend the Roman empire further. And what Paul is going to do throughout this letter is to offer a subversive plan that says, you know what, you're actually citizens of heaven, you're not citizens of Rome. And there's a new language you're going to speak. We're going to hear about the spiritual language. And there's a new clothing you're going to put on. We're going to hear about the spiritual armour of God. And there's a new missional directive. And that is to extend the kingdom of heaven into every corner of the world. And by the way, Caesar isn't Lord. Jesus is Lord. And then uh, grace and peace. They're two words that are so powerful because the Greeks would go about and say grace, say grace be with you, or uh, charis as the word is in Greek. And they wanted uh, people to be offered that sense of favour, may grace be with you, grace be with you, as they went around. The Jews, on the other hand, went around saying shalom, peace, peace be upon you, The, the peace from the most high rests upon you. 
I mean, we simply just go about, don't we, and awkwardly mumble a hi or a hey or nod your head. These guys went around, they proclaimed truth over one another, peace or uh, grace be with you. Maybe we need to mix things up a little bit, be a little bit less British. We give it a go, can we? Yeah. I look forward to hearing what words you might want to greet one another with uh, when you come back next week. But in saying grace and peace, Paul is essentially saying that this is for everyone. All that everyone is longing for, grace as the Greeks long for, and peace as the Jews long for, it's everything be with you. He's saying this is for both Jew and Greek. This is for everyone. That eventually the divisions between Jew and Greek will be broken down. So just in two verses, there's quite a lot. Let's move on. Verses three to six. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ, in accordance with his pleasure and will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. Notice throughout that there's the words blessed and uh, blesses and blessing. In the beginning, God blesses us. When he made creation, he blessed creation. Jesus' first sermon, the Sermon on the Mount, is all about blessing. Blessed are the poor, blessed are the peacemakers. And Paul reminds us that every spiritual blessing, not just one or two, but every spiritual blessing is ours. Now, I heard a story recently about a lottery winner in the United States, and he'd won $65 million. It's pretty amazing, isn't it? But... uh, In the excitement, he threw away his ticket. He still had the receipt, but he didn't have the ticket. And so he contacted the lottery and he said, look, this is what's happened. And they said, yep, the money will be yours, but you have to wait 365 days. If someone else turns up with your lottery ticket with those numbers on, that money will be theirs. That's a long old wait, isn't it? 365 days to wait for it. And eventually, he did get his money. No one else came forward. And the reality is that there's hundreds of millions of dollars and pounds that are uh, not claimed from the lottery. There are people who are literally walking around who've won the lottery who don't realise it. Who've perhaps thrown away the ticket, not even paid attention to the numbers that were called. And it's a bit like this with God. Paul is here saying, look, every spiritual blessing, absolutely everything. Do you quite understand just how massive this blessing is that God has for you? You may have just been wandering around your daily life, ignoring the fact that actually you're a lottery winner in the biggest, bestest sense. That we're forgiven, we're set free, we're filled with grace. The list goes on. Every spiritual blessing is ours. And then it talks about chose us in him for adoption to sonship. You see, in Ephesus at the time, the city was surrounded by hills. And when a baby was born, the father would have a week to decide whether or not he was going to accept that baby into his family. So it might be he decided, oh, actually, that one looks a bit ugly, or it's got a bit of a blemish here, or there's something that wasn't quite right. Or maybe they felt like it was the wrong gender. They wanted a boy, they wanted an heir at the time. 
And if they didn't, uh, if a father decided he didn't want to take that baby into the family, that family, that baby rather, would be taken out and placed on the hillside and left for exposure to happen. Be left essentially for either hypothermia to set in or for a wild animal to come and attack and kill it. It's horrific practice, the practice of exposure. And yet Christians would go out of the city and they would adopt those babies into their families. And adoption means giving them the full rights, the full rights, the proper treatment as if they were their very own. And that's what the Christians would do. They would go out and they would claim these babies that the uh, families had said, no, we don't want them. They're not quite right. There's something wrong with it or it's the wrong gender or whatever it might be. Uh, And they would come and claim them as their own. And Paul is reminding us that God has done the same for us. We were lost and exposed, left outside of God's kingdom in the mess of all that we've done wrong. But Jesus has come along and he adopts us into his family. He rescues us. He gives us a name and he gives us an identity. This is what God has done for us. We're no longer alone. We're no longer isolated. I've spoke recently about the fact that isolation and loneliness is a massive issue in our society. And yet God has placed us and brought us into his family. God has adopted us. He has chosen us and he's given us every spiritual blessing. And then there's that awkward bit about being predestined us through Christ Jesus. Predestination, one of those things where people have wrestled for years, argued about it for years, probably something we don't quite always understand. And predestination sounds a bit like God perhaps is like that father um, that decides whether or not each person is going to have a place in the family or not. You know, he looks at each one of us, he goes, yeah, they look all right. Mm, They've got a nice heart. They can stay with us for eternity. Mm, Not quite sure about them. They can go into eternal separation. And that's what we can think about that predestination means. And it doesn't quite add up with the picture we have of this glorious God we worship. But the theologian Karl Barth explains it like this, that our predestination is in Christ because Christ is the chosen one. When we say yes to Jesus, we say yes, um, he is the chosen one. And anyone who says yes to Jesus walks with him. They enter into Jesus's chosenness for all eternity. We are chosen because he is the chosen one. Whew. That's only verse six. Let's move on. Got to get to 14 by the end. I'm not going to read all of verses seven to 10, mainly because I'm having to shout and it's painful. So uh, just notice in this, these words, in verses 7 to 10, that there's words like riches, they're lavishes, they're all wisdom. This is all big stuff. We're given big blessings. God is a generous God. Let's not forget that. And the aim of life with God is, as it says at the end, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. Through his blood and Uh, His redemption, it comes through his blood, as it says in verse 7. Because of all that Jesus has done on the cross, this is what's going to happen. Unity between all things under heaven and earth. You see, there's always been a meeting place between heaven and earth, that bit in the middle. 
It started off in the Garden of Eden when uh, God and man walked together. And then a little bit later, uh, you know, God instructs them to build a massive tent. They were all camping in tents themselves. But he says, actually, I want you to build an even bigger, better tent, the tabernacle. And that's where I'm going to be. And the presence of God, heaven and earth met in the tabernacle. And then a bit later, once they entered into the promised land, eventually the temple was built. And that is where the presence of God, uh, this place where heaven and earth interacted, where people went to bring their offerings, where people went to meet with God. And then uh, eventually Jesus comes along and, and he is the place where heaven and earth meet. Because when Jesus goes around, uh, people are healed, people are set free, they encounter love, they encounter God as they meet with Jesus. Jesus is that intersection between heaven and earth. Thank you so much. And then at the cross through his blood, it's a meeting place between heaven and earth. And that meeting place extends to each one of us. In Corinthians, Paul says that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And within us, Jesus resides. Within us now, this meeting point between heaven and earth is within us. Does anyone remember that song by Belinda Carlisle? Oh, heaven is a place on earth. I'll edit that bit out of the recording, but it's a great song, isn't it? I remember that, yeah. I think it's one of the first ones maybe I bought. That's ridiculous, isn't it? I remember my first record was a really boring one, a really embarrassing one. Anyway, heaven is a place. <laughs> heaven is a place on earth. Heaven is a place on earth. It's that place within us. Jesus dwells within us. God's power dwells within us. And eventually, in that verse, it was talking about the fact that heaven and earth will come completely together. Those two sides will come completely together in the new heaven. But right now, Paul is reminding us uh, that it takes place within us through Jesus' blood. But the fullness is yet to come. And so we get to the final section. Verse 11 to 14. In him, we were also chosen to receive an inheritance. This inheritance that wasn't, uh, isn't the promised land, you know, is that his original hearers would have heard this talk of inheritance. They would have thought immediately of the promise that God gave them of a land, a physical land, Canaan. But um, instead, what we're promised is this new heaven and earth. And that we get there through the promised Holy Spirit. Through keeping close to the presence of Jesus, we find ourselves drawing closer to that reality of the inheritance that is to come, this new heaven on earth. The promised Holy Spirit dwells with us, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance. That deposit, that word deposit, uh, means like an engagement ring that's given. This is the promise of what is to come. When we give an engagement ring or receive an engagement ring, this is the promise of what is to come. This is the promise of what will come in this relationship. Or it's perhaps like uh, the deposit we might put down when buying a house. You know, immediately when that deposit goes down, whatever it is nowadays, 10% or, or whatever we put down, immediately that 10% of a house we own, it's ours. We've already received that 10% of that physical property is ours. And we might live for the next however many years earning the other 90%. But 
that's what it's like with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is just a glimpse, just a foretaste. It's that initial deposit that says we already have God within us and we're going to experience it in all its fullness in the world to come. The Holy Spirit being that deposit, guaranteeing our inheritance of what is to come. And so very simply, three questions I'd love us just to consider as we come to the table shortly and receive communion. There'll be an opportunity uh, to receive prayer as well. But where do you find your identity and belonging? Is it in Christ Jesus, as Paul reminds us? Where are you in need of redemption? What are the areas of our lives that we leave unsurrendered to God? Where do we need God to do his work of salvation, his cleaning up and making us right? And if the Holy Spirit is that deposit within us, then where is the Spirit most active in our lives? And if we don't really know, if we can't really answer where the Spirit is at work in us, um, then perhaps we need to ask him afresh to come and make his home present amongst us. Because the Spirit is the one who will guide us to all that is to come. And we need to be alive and filled with the Spirit. Yeah, those three things and perhaps maybe others, God might want to deal with us today. In a moment, we're going to sing a song of worship. The children will make their way back in. Uh, so do keep an eye out for them and claim those that are yours uh, and keep an eye on them. We're going to share communion together. And as we share communion together, then the encouragement is, if you'd like to receive prayer, um, then um, there will be people ready to pray. Roger and Ruth are both going to pray. This morning. Are you there? You have, yeah, it was Roger. I was right. I remembered correct. Uh, are going to be around for you to go to, and they'll pray with you. Uh, before you find your way back to the seat, they'll come and uh, you can ask them for prayer. They'll be around at the end as well. But any of us can be praying for one another as well. But where do you find your identity and belonging? Is it secure in Jesus? So there are areas in our lives where we need to ask God to come and do his work. And is the spirit alive and active within us? Heavenly Father, would you come and would you meet with us, we pray. We thank you that you call us children, that you, you adopt us into your family and give us this new identity. We thank you that you choose to reside in us and make your home within us. Holy Spirit, would you fill us? Would you fill each one of us, lead and guide us and keep us active in our faith, growing more and more into that identity, finding out more and more about what that inheritance looks like that you've promised for the future, but you've deposited now within us. May we see you at work, Lord God, we pray. Amen. Thanks so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed that. As ever, if you've got any questions or queries, do just get in touch. Vicar at holysaviour.church. We'll be back again next week with our harvest focus uh, as we think about all the good gifts that God gives us. Uh, and then we'll continue with Ephesians the following week. Uh, do enjoy getting to grips with reading it and thinking more about it. 
Don't forget this Saturday we've got our quiz night in aid of Tear Fund happening 7 o'clock for a 7.30 start at Holy Saviour. All are welcome. Come join in.